Welcome back to our series entitled New. Welcome to a new year, and it's a new series entitled New. I think they're trying to twist me up a little bit with these messages. But last week we talked about new faith and, and how it's important to, to any, anytime you're going to try to get external change in your body, you're going to try to change something in your physical body, it's, it's always going to start on the inside. That's what we talked about last week and how anytime God's going to do something in your body, it's going to start on the inside. We talked about how, how most people, 80% of all New Year's resolutions are, are dropped before Valentine's Day. Did you know that? 80%. So next time you make a New Year's resolution, just know that it's going to end somewhere around Valentine's Day. That ought to encourage you. But, but a lot, we talked about how a lot of people make resolutions, and they say they're going to change things, and then how do we change those things? We go at them from the outside, don't we? You know, I, I'm going to get fit. I can't tell you how many times I said I was going to lose weight and get in shape. Enough said. Round is a shape. That's what they tell me. You can laugh. It's okay. I'm making fun of myself. But you make these New Year's resolutions and then they don't work out. And so you get discouraged. And last week we talked about how in 2012 you said, I'm going to work out five days a week. And in 2013, your New Year's resolution was, I'm going to work out three days a week. And your New Year's resolution for 2014 is, I'm going to drive by the gym at least once a week. Right? I mean, resolutions just don't work. Actually, what you need is a revolution. And that's what we talked about, how God is, God is, he wants to change you. He wants you to be physically fit. He wants you to be emotionally fit. He wants you to be financially fit and relationally fit. But you can't do it in your own strength and in your own power. Right? It has to start on the inside. As your spirit man grows, so does your natural man. Amen? Good place to say Amen. So God, I heard my pastor say this many times. He says, you know what? Religious folk want to do an outside job on you, but God wants to do an inside job on you. God, when, when, when Jesus died on the cross, he didn't die for your flesh to be right. He died for the spirit man inside of you to come alive. Amen. That you could overcome those physical things by his power and by his strength. Why? Because he's the one that gets the glory. Right? I mean, listen, I've, I've worked out just about my whole life playing college football and, and all those other things and trying to be a bodybuilder. And, and I've, 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 I've cheated. I took steroids one time. That actually has a reverse effect. It makes you worse after you quit them. It's kind of like hair club for men. You just, I'm not financing my hair anymore. I mean, it's just, you know what I'm saying? You got to pay for hair. I'm, no. So I, I've, I've tried working out. And, I, and I, I can do it. I can go and I can physically force myself to get in shape. But I can't promise you I'm going to maintain it. Right? And actually, I, I, can, I can sit here and say, well, praise God, I lost 30 pounds. But really, I did it in my own strength. Are you with me? So God wants to do an inside job on you. The bottom line is that your life is going to change when you change spiritually. So instead of saying, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that, and I'm going to go here, and I'm going to fix this. What we really need to be saying is that I'm going to get closer to Jesus this year than ever before. I'm going to dig deeper into his word than I ever have before. Right? I shared with you last week how I've always been a guy that, that tends to study the scriptures and never just read them like a, like a book. And so I got hung up in this thing where I just study, study, study. And so this, this year, actually before the year started, I said, I just want to read through the New Testament. 
And so I've just been reading and I've, I've just finished up the Gospels and got into Acts. And, and it's like the Bible is becoming alive to me all of a sudden in a different way. Are you with me? So if you're the person that's, that's just reading all the time and you just read through the Bible like it's a book, then maybe you need to dig a little deeper. Or if you're a person that likes to study the Bible and dig deep, maybe you need to back up and just read it like a story. Does that make sense? Just change something, stir something up in your relationship with God. Amen? Romans, Paul, Paul actually, when you read Romans, Paul talks about how he struggled with the flesh. Anybody ever struggle with, this, with the flesh? Anybody struggle this week with the flesh? I mean, listen, we had homemade pralines, brownies, and some lemon cookies at my house last night. I mean, there was a battle going on. And then, and then I was in the, in the backyard grilling up some pork steaks about this big. I didn't get a call. I didn't want you to have to fight like I did. I, I was looking out for you. Yeah. Um, so Paul wrestled with the flesh. So let's go to Romans chapter 7. And let's see what Paul says about this. Watch this. Paul says, for I have the desire... To do what is good. And I would, I would dare to say that you have that same desire today. Your desire is that you want to do what is good. Is that, is that an accurate statement? He says this. He says, but I cannot carry it out. For what I do is not the good I want to do. Anybody relate to that? No evil. No, the evil I do not want to do. This I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is the sin living in me that does it. So let me, let me start by this. Doesn't it make you feel good that the apostle Paul wrestled with the flesh? I mean, seriously, when you know you're not the only person struggling with something, it kind of makes you feel better, doesn't it? I mean, if there were no other bald headed people in the world, I would really feel strange. Right? So... It's, it's number one, it's good that, you know, you can relate to Paul and Paul can relate to you about this whole struggle with the flesh. And he, and he make, he's making statements like the things I want to do, I don't. But the things I don't want to do, I end up doing. And then he says this at the end of it, he says, but it is the sin living in me that does it. Wow. That's pretty interesting. Paul says, it's not actually me that's doing it. It's the sin inside of me. And you say, oh, that's, that's pretty good. Pastor, can you explain that a little better? I'm about to. <laughs> he, said, <laughs> he says, it's the sin that lives inside of me. You know, when you read this chapter, Paul talks about how we've been set free from the bondage of sin. We, we just sang a song that says, I, I'm free. Right? Yes, Lord. You set me free. It's a good song. Powerful song. But you know that most of us don't live free. Most of us live like we're still in bondage to sin. That's what Paul said he was doing. He said, when I do what I don't want to do, it's not me doing it. It's the sin inside of me. So he said, I'm struggling with this issue of being free is what it is. Right? It's kind of like the bird that's been kept in the cage its whole life and you open the door to set it free and it just sits there. Right? It doesn't want to go. Why? Because it doesn't know that it's free. It doesn't know how to live free. It doesn't know what it means to be free. And sometimes as believers, we don't know what it means to be free. 
But Paul says it's the sin living in him. He didn't say that it's the bondage of sin that I've taken upon myself again. Does that make sense? He's still free. And you are free. If you've, if you've made a decision to follow Christ and make him the Lord and Savior of your life, then you've been set free from sin and shame. The question is, is are you going to stay free? And if you are, then how are you going to stay free? Right? And so that's what we want to talk about a little bit today. Is that okay? Romans 7.24 says that what a wretched man I am. This is Paul speaking again. He says, what a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? That's what he calls his his flesh man, his body. He calls him the body of death. Who's going to rescue me from this? He just confessed that he's struggling with sin. Right? And then he's asking the question like many of us have asked. Who's going to rescue me from this? Watch his answer. Who's going to rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Who's going to rescue me from the sin? God through Jesus Christ my Lord. That's who's going to rescue you from the sin. Amen? He didn't say, Paul's going to rescue me. He didn't say, Luke's going to rescue me. He didn't say, Peter's going to rescue me. Right? You see, sometimes as believers, we look to the pastor and say, well, the pastor needs to get me right. Let me let you in on something. Pastor trying to get himself right. (laughs) Okay? I'll help you. I'll encourage you. I'll try, but I can't do it for you. Amen? Are you living a life where your body is in charge? I want to back up for a second and, and give you three things real quick. That your body is actually a triune being. Okay, I know that's a 50 cent word. Y'all heard me last week, I made up my own word. Y'all remember that? I'm going to practicalize this for you. That's going to be in the dictionary next week, or next year. Next year, they couldn't rush it this week, but I'm going to practicalize. I've been using that word all week. But you're a triune being. In other words, there's three parts to you. Okay? There's the body, there's the soul, and then there's the spirit. Right? Right? The body is where all your desires come from. Your, your, uh, are your, are, are, are all your feelings. This is where your sexual desires come from. This is where your sleep desires, your eating desires come from. Then there's the soul. And this is your mental capacity or your emotional capacity. Okay, you with me? And then there's the spirit. And that's the part of you that will live forever. The part of you that worships God is the spirit part of you. It's the spirit inside of you is what worships the Lord. Okay, so you got the body. The soul and the spirit. And they're all bucking for position. Right? They're all fighting to see who can be the boss of your life. That's what Paul was saying. He said, man, I got this wrestle, this thing going on. My flesh wants to do this. My soul with my emotions and, my, and all these other things wants to do this. And then the spirit, man, he wants to do this. He's going, who's going to save me? Who's going to save me from this body of death? And he says, it's Jesus Christ. And so that's the battle. So the question becomes then, who is running your life? Is the body in charge? And you're just kind of doing whatever you feel like doing? I'm in the physical condition I am in because... 
I let the body rule too much. Can't we all say that? I'm in the emotional shape that I am in because I've let the soul run the show. Right? Or hopefully you're here today and you can say, I'm in the spiritual condition I am in because the spirit man has ruled and reigned in my life. You see the differences. So that's where the struggle comes from. It comes from your flesh wants to do this. It has these desires. It wants to fulfill itself. It's all about me. The flesh is selfish. It goes, it's me, 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 me. And the soul is like, they hurt me. They did this. I can't get this. I can't do that. Does that sound familiar? And the spirit man is just sitting there going, come on, man. Let's, let's just go. Let's get on track. Come on. Stick with me. Stick with me. Put your time and your effort and your energy into me. Feed me. And we will overcome. Right? Just feed me. Isn't that the truth? You've heard me say this a bunch of times, but you're as close to God as you want to be. It's not anybody else's fault for your your position or your closeness to God. It's you. You are as close to God as you choose to be. Amen? Amen? So I want to give you three things this morning that um, for those of us who have a body that is calling the shots, here are three things that always happens when your body calls the shots. Number one, it destroys me. When your body's in charge, in other words, when you're out of control, anybody ever been out of control? When you, when your body or your, your physical being is out of order, you see the order is, is the spirit man should be telling the soul man what to do and the body man what to do, Right? No, don't eat the bluebell. Okay. You know how many times I've heard that? And I go, that wasn't God. Or don't get angry right now and lose your temper. Hang on a minute. Right? Don't lose it on your kids. Hold it together. Hold it together. Oh. Anybody ever struggle with that? Number one, when your body's calling the shots, it destroys me. If you've given your life to Jesus, the enemy can't keep you from heaven, but he can sure try to make you feel like you're living in hell on this earth. Right? He can't take heaven from you. What what Jesus did on the cross for you can never be taken away. But let me tell you something. The enemy, Jesus said it himself, is coming to kill, steal, and destroy your life. Right? Right? So you need to know that, no, you got this struggle going on with the flesh. You got the battle with the soul, but you got the enemy coming and he wants to kill, steal and destroy. He wants to make your life a mess. He wants to kill your witness. He wants to kill your testimony. He wants to kill your marriage, your relationship with your children. He wants to wreck your emotions. Come on. He wants to tear you apart and make you feel like hell here on this earth. And let me tell you this, God's plan is the opposite. It's the opposite. He says, I want you to live an abundant life. You're an overcomer. You're a child of the king. You're royal. Are you with me? You're an overcomer. You've already had the victory. You need to live a victorious life, not a defeated life. You see the difference. But when you let, when you let the body run the show, it destroys me. It destroys you. 
1 Corinthians 6.12 says that everything is permissible for me, but not everything is beneficial. I heard my pastor say this one time. The first time I heard it, it blew me away. He said, I smoke as much dope as I want to. I drink as much beer as I want to. And I sleep with as many women as I want to. He said, the only difference is, is I don't want to. So I don't. You're free. You're free. All things, he says, are permissible, but not all things are beneficial. I'm free for three scoops of bluebell, but it doesn't mean it's permissible. I'm free to get offended, but it doesn't mean it's permissible or even beneficial. Everything is permissible for me, but nothing, but not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible for me, but I will not be mastered by anything. Man, I hope we can get that attitude today. That I'm not going to let anything master my life. It's been mastered too long. If the pastor says I'm free, then doggone it, I'm going to start living free. I hope you leave with that kind of an attitude today. That I'm going to start living free. Lord, and I hope your prayer turns into, Lord, help me to live free. Help me. I don't know what it looks like. Can I be honest with you? There's areas in my life that I don't know what it looks like to be free. And I say, Lord, help me. Help me to be free. Show me how to be free. I was raised up without my daddy being around. I didn't know how to be a father. I had three beautiful kids come along and I started getting a little nervous. I said, God, I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to be a father. Can you help me? And he's helped me. And listen to me. He's still helping me today. Right? Because that ain't the same three little babies we had. They, they're growing. And then they grow and they get these attitudes. And, you know, they, they learn how your buttons work and better than you do. And if you're not careful, they'll control your life. No, I'm joking. So number one, it destroys me. Number two, when your body's in charge, it dilutes my witness. Isn't that true? It will kill your witness. You know what the world says when, when they see you? And, and let's say you're, you're a new believer. You just gave your life to Christ. You go back to work tomorrow and, and you kind of make your little announcements. Hey, I gave my life to Jesus. I got saved. And people go, oh, well, that's good. Bless your heart. But you know what they're saying? Okay, this is what this means. This, this is what this means to them. So we're not going to be able to hang out on Sundays. Uh, I guess she's not going to curse as much as she used to. We won't be able to go. I wonder if we'll be able to go to the casino. I don't know. It depends on what church she goes to. And, but that's people's attitudes towards you. Are you following me? When you put that title on you as a Christian. And you know what? That's a sad thing. It's a sad thing because we're the freest people on the planet. But we're not living like it. We still want what Egypt got. When God says, I'm bringing you to the promised land. We're still looking back at times. Amen. Still carrying some addictions with us. Some past hurts and wounds. Some hurt feelings. Right. Some bad debt. We're still carrying this stuff with us. He goes, you're free from that. That doesn't mean you don't get to keep paying your bills. I mean, I saw a few of you go, oh, really? I'm joking. 
But people are watching the way you live. My pastor says that there's, there's four Gospels in the Bible, but if you really know anything, it's, there's really five. There's Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and then there's you. And, and the world's not reading the first four, but they're definitely reading you. And if you let your body take charge, you let your body run the show, there goes your witness. People are reading you. I had a guy I worked for one time. I'm telling you, he had a mission from, from the devil to make me stumble and fall as a new believer. I'm serious. He was my boss. I worked my tail off. I mean, I really, really worked my tail off. And they, they took me from his crew and put me on another crew. And I'm supposed to be this supervisor. And I, I come back to his crew. And he's mad. And the first thing he does is he sticks me in a catch basin. You know what a catch basin is. That's that box that catches all the rainwater and the sewage and everything else. He puts me in a catch basin. Wreck them farms. And I went. Yes, sir. And I jumped down in that hole and I knocked it out as fast as I could. And I kept on. He kept, he would talk about me. He would put me down in front of other people. He would slander me. He would say, come on, Christian, what you going to do? I mean, he was running me. And praise God. I was saved because back in the day, <laughs> you know, okay, it just wouldn't have been pretty. But let me tell you something. One day I was a youth pastor and his, his boy, his teenage boy came to our youth group. And you know how he got there? His daddy brought him. You know why his daddy brought him? Because his daddy saw something in me that he couldn't see in himself. His daddy saw that there was hope inside of me. Are you with me? That he could, I could change him, but he couldn't change him. Are you with And it wasn't me, it was Christ. Right? So you got to be careful with your witness because the enemy's after your witness. He wants to kill, steal, and destroy your witness. He wants to destroy your life. He wants to kill your witness. Look at 2 Corinthians 8. It says, for we are taking pains to do what is right. Say pain. pain. No, you didn't say it right. Say pain. Pain. Say it like it hurts. Pain. pain. Don't cuss. Just say pain. Paul says this. says we are taking pains to do what is right. Watch this now. Not only in the eyes of the Lord, but in the eyes of men. <laughs> you know, religious people try to make everything seem like everything's fine. Praise the Lord, brother. Hallelujah. You can't get a straight word out of those folks for nothing. Like, hey, man, how you doing? Praise the Lord. <laughs> I heard you lost your mom the other day. Oh, yeah, praise God. <laughs> and you kind of go, huh? But people need to see the pain that you walk through. You don't need to be fake and try to hide it. You need to have a, have, you need to have a good attitude. You need to have some hope inside of you. Are you with me? You can't let it destroy you, but they need to see what's going on inside of you. If you're upset and somebody says, hey, man, how you doing? I ain't doing good. If you're about to lose it and somebody walks up and say, give me a minute. Why? They need to see you take that minute and go over there and get control of yourself. Right? Let the spirit man take over because the flesh, there's a fight going on. The flesh is going, let me kill him. Let me kill him. The spirit's going, no, no. Anybody ever do that? But he says, we take pain to do what is right. Number three, 
When the body is in charge, it dishonors God. Boy, isn't that good? It dishonors God. The Bible says that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. You know, in the Old Testament, they built a temple, an actual temple for the presence of God to come in. But God said, no, you know what? I want to put it inside of every man. So when Jesus died on the cross, he gave us the right to have the spirit of God inside of us. And we now become temples. So say this, say, I'm a temple temple. of the Holy Spirit. You are now a temple. The presence of God dwells in you. Come on, somebody. You got to get this. It's inside of you. So what does that mean? That you're a walking, talking, breathing, emotion, feeling temple of God. And here's the key. Here's the key. You have all the power you need to overcome any temptation you ever face. Any struggle you come across. Any word that anybody ever says to you, you have everything you need to overcome. When the guy in traffic cuts in front of you and almost runs you off the road, you have everything you need to keep your hands in your pocket. Well, you can say what you want. They can't hear you, but you know what I'm saying? I'm picking. But it dishonors God. We're the temple of God. You know, you know, what's funny is that when people come into a church building, they usually show a lot of reverence, a lot of honor, right? They'll come in and take the hat off and they, and they walk in and they sit down, and, right? And they're real reverent and, and honoring in the church building. But let me tell you something. The presence of God isn't always in the building. It gets here because it's inside of you, right? For, for years, we had people would fuss because the spirit wasn't moving in the church, it was moving to me. I'm like, what, you left yours at home? Because the Bible says, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together, which is the manner of some, but so much the more as you see the day approaching, you need to get together. Why? So that the spirit inside of all of us can get together and just have a big old party. Right? I mean, you got to bring it yourself. My question to those folks always was, well, did he move at your house? Did he move at your job? Or do you expect me to bring him? Because I got mine. <laughs> right? Does that make sense? It's just not true. It's just not accurate. First Corinthians 6.15 says, Do you not know that your, your bodies are members of Christ himself? Shall I then take the members of Christ and unite them with a prostitute? Whoa. Man, that's pretty strong. Do you not know that you belong to Christ? And should I take you and put you with a prostitute? But you know what? When the body's in charge, sometimes it looks like that. I didn't get no amens on that one. I'll keep going. You can, you can deal with it. But this morning, I want to call you to a new level of new fitness. I want you to come to new fitness. We all need new fitness. Amen. Second Timothy two says, but in, in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and of earth and some to honor and some to dishonor. In other words, I'm going to practicalize that for you. Some of you are like fine China and some of you are like paper plates. That's what he's talking about. There's difference between fine China and paper plates. When do you bring out the fine China? When somebody more important than you comes over to eat, right? When it's your friends, we eat in paper plate, <laughs> right? 
If you like my grandma, you used to wash them paper plates and them Ziploc bags, and you come in the house and they got Ziploc bags and paper plates in the dryer, and you're like, Mama, you got a new one? What you need a new one for, boy? But he says, in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also vessels of wood and of earth. And some are for honor, or some, and some are to honor, and some to dishonor. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified, and watch this word, and fit. He will be fit for the master's use and prepared for every good work. You see, I don't doubt anybody here wants to do the master's work. I don't doubt that one second. The question is, is are you fit to do it? Are you a vessel of honor or a vessel of dishonor? And that's what you got to ask yourself. I want to be used by the master. I want to be used by Jesus. I want divine appointments. I want to run into miracles. I want to see things happen everywhere I go. So that when I come to church, I can tell you what happened. Right? I want to be a vessel of honor. I want my life to bring honor to God. Not dishonor. I want a witness that is healthy. I want a me that is healthy. Amen? It dishonors God. 1 Timothy 4.8 says this, For physical training is of some value. This is for all you people that don't like to work out. For physical training is of some value. Okay, this is your verse. I used to hang on to this one for a long time. But godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. So what's he say? Physical fitness, it's got some good to it. You need to work out. This, this isn't a message that says you don't have to go to gym. You just read your Bible. I, I'm not saying that today. Okay. You can eat what you want. Just read your Bible. I'm not saying that. All right. He says that physical fitness is, is it's some good. But it's not all good. And I know people that have been extremists. I mean, they got people that run a hundred and something miles. They're running a hundred and something miles. I go, what's chasing you? And why isn't it tired? I don't know about you. I just got better things to do. But he says this, but godliness. So we're talking about today is godliness has value for all things. Say all things. things. You know what that all, you know what's in that all things? Your marriage is in that all things. Your relationships are in that all things. Your finances are in that all things. Your emotions are in that all things. Your, your healing is in that all things. Your miracle. Come on. Come on. It's, it's all in that all things. Godliness is beneficial for all things. It has value for all things. Holding promise for both the present life. That's life now. It, he, it's promised for now. You with me? On this life and the next. Something should have just shifted in your thinking right there. It, it holds promise for now and it holds promise for eternity. In other words, you can have it now. Come on, you've been that way since you was a baby. Now, 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 right? 
Just because you grown doesn't mean you change. It's for you today. While you're on this planet, get you some godliness. Pastor, how do I get godliness? Pray, read your Bible, and listen. Come to church, get around some other folk that love you and encourage you or, or tell you something, maybe tell you you got something hanging out your nose. I mean, you need to get around some folk that will tell you the truth. Right? I preached one time and my, my zipper was undone. and I didn't catch the sign from my wife and she's in the front seat going. And I was like. I wish somebody would have came up to me before service and said, hey brother, you need to go zip. That's for somebody. I don't know why in the heck that came up. But. You need to be around some people that will tell you the truth. That will encourage you. Right? Some people, when you get an attitude, say, hey, man, time out. Look, bro. You can come at that a little easier. Okay? You, didn't have to, you didn't have to hit them before you said it. You know? Next time, just try saying it. I don't know. But godliness has value for all things. Holding promise for both the present life. And the life to come, which is eternity. So let me give you some spiritual principles here. That'll get you physically fit. Anybody want to be physically fit? Raise your hand. You want to be physically fit? I do. Some of you, you might be physically fit. Praise God. Four questions I want to ask you right here. Or that you need to ask yourself. Number one, am I offering daily? Am I offering daily? So, uh, okay, can you explain that, Pastor? Yes, I can explain that. Am I offering daily? Am I offering my body to God daily? Are you getting up in the morning and saying, Lord, I surrender. Lord, I give myself to you. Are you doing that? Are you offering yourself daily? Romans 12.1 says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in the view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. The Apostle Paul is basically begging the believers. He said, I'm begging you to offer your body as a living sacrifice. What's that mean? That means you need to get up in the morning. You need to say, God, I surrender. I give my life to you. I give my things to you. I give my ambitions and my desires and my goals for today. I give it to you. My tongue, I give it to you today. I don't want to gossip like I did yesterday. Right? You offer it up. But it's not just saying the prayer. It starts with the prayer. But it's relying on the Holy Spirit that when you want to say, mm, about so-and-so, you go, mm. You keep your lip zip. Right? Because let me tell you something, the Holy Spirit is there to say, "Mm -mm, don't say that. Mm -mm, Don't do that. Hang on, don't lose it, don't lose it. Walk away, walk away. I don't know if he talks to you like that, but he talks to me like that. I got to make a choice to listen, right? To offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. Watch this. This is your spiritual act of worship. You know what we did this morning with Scott and Holly, and thank you so much for being here. What we did this morning and singing songs and putting the words up on the screen so that you can sing along with us, that's worship. But offering up your body as a living sacrifice is your spiritual act of worship. 
And the Bible says that Jesus is looking for people that are going to worship him in spirit and in truth. So how do you worship God? It, it ain't just on Sunday morning. It ain't when you kick on the radio and it's your favorite song playing and you sing. Worshiping God is when you make a decision not to be the old you anymore. It's when you make a decision not to let those chains get back on you again. Right? So when you make that decision to do the right thing, when you go through the pain of doing the right thing, when you make that decision and you take that step, you go, this is what's going on. I'm worshiping you, God. I love you, Lord. I want to honor you, praise you, praise be unto God. And the whole time you're walking away from sin. You see that? That's your spiritual act of worship is what the Bible says. That you lay your bodies down as a living sacrifice. Maybe you need to pray something like this. Lord, I give you my mind. I take captive all my thoughts, Lord. And I bring them to the obedience of Christ, Lord. Help me today to think right. Maybe, maybe after that you go, Lord, I give you my eyes. For you men, this might be a, a, a hard struggle. Lord, I give you my eyes. I'm not going to click on that website anymore. I'm not going to look at Betty anymore. No, I'm serious. I'm not clowning. Lord, protect my eyes. For some of you ladies, it may be, Lord, help me not to be envious of what she has. Help me not to be jealous because they got this and that and this and that. Help me to see straight, Lord. I want to see the right things. Give him your eyes. Then it may be, give him your mouth. Lord, help me today not to speak death over anybody. Even that little boy that works for me who I want to strangle, who ain't good for nothing. Lord, help me not to tell him that. Seriously, you may need to pray that. Lord, help me with my mouth. Lord, help me to breathe life today that all my words today will breathe life and not death. You getting this? Maybe you say, Lord, I give you my feet so that I don't walk my own way. I walk your way. Just trying to help. Number two, am I withdrawing weekly? Are you withdrawing weekly? In other words, are you taking a break? Are you resting? Are you honoring the Sabbath? You know, a lot of people look at the Sabbath as a day to catch up and not necessarily a day of rest. You know, the Bible says clearly that you're supposed to work six and take off one. God did it himself. And last time I checked, you ain't God. Right? So you need to take a Sabbath. You know what you're supposed to do on that Sabbath? You're supposed to not get on Facebook. You're supposed to not sit down and veg behind the TV. You're supposed to not work on your little side project at the house. What you're supposed to do is rest and reflect and rejuvenate and, and, and kind of reboot your mind and your spirit for the next coming week. Does this make sense? You need to reflect on what you did the past week. Reflect on the things that happened. Maybe you missed some opportunities to do some ministry work that God gave you. You need to reflect on that. Say, you know what? I'm going to do the right. I'm going to be looking for that opportunity again. Man, I shouldn't have missed it. I missed one this week. I'm like, God. Man, I missed that. But you know what? I reflected on it. And I'm looking forward to the next week. Maybe it's something that you failed in last week that you need to say, you know what? I, I, I just need some help with that. I wonder if I wonder if, if Billy Bob would, you know, 
kind of just call me every week and say, hey, man, you, you staying off of that website? You may need to do that. Are you with me? But if, you, if your life is just constantly going and going and going, you don't ever stop to reflect and rest and reboot, then you just keep making the same mistakes over and over and over again. Does that make sense? And then you, you wonder after a while, you kind of go, well, why is my life like a circus? Because you don't stop. When the Bible clearly says we're supposed to stop, right? <laughs> right? I'm going to prove it to you. Isaiah 58 says this. You ready for this? You got to take a Sabbath after you hear this one. If you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath and from doing as you please on my holy day, if you call the Sabbath a delight and the Lord's holy day honorable, and if you honor it by not going your own way and not doing as you please or speaking idle words, then you will find joy in the Lord. Anybody want some joy in the Lord? Come on, I'm handing it out this morning. Anybody want some? And it gets better. And I will cause you to ride on the heights of the land and to feast on the inheritance of your father Jacob. The mouth of the Lord has spoken. You see, it doesn't make sense that you can get ahead by taking a Sabbath or taking a day off. Doesn't make sense. I used to be, I told you this, this time last year, I was mad at people that had a day off. I was mad because I didn't have a day off. I worked six days and I came and did church on Sunday. And I used the rest of Sunday to try and catch up from that because I was working the other six days. So anybody that had a day off and complained about not having time, I wanted to slap them. Can I just be honest? I was mad, but at the same time, I was jealous. But you know what I've realized over the last eight months? I needed a Sabbath. You can actually get ahead when you take a Sabbath. You know, as, as church staff, Pastor Bubba's paying for the best of us, right? And to get the best Jamie he can get, Jamie's going to have to take a break. Rest, reflect, reboot, right? He's got he's to restart. You've got to take a Sabbath. And, and you can't just fill it up by vegging behind the TV, sitting on Facebook, or, or, or you go to a friend's house and you don't talk about anything healthy. Girl, did you see what so-and-so was wearing at church? Oh, my goodness. Listen, that's not good. You just soon go work and keep your mouth shut. Right? You getting something yet? Number three, the third question you need to ask yourself is, am I living purposefully? That's a good one. Am I living purposefully? Are you living your life on purpose? Or are you just kind of going, whichever way the wind blows? I'm going to go whichever way the wind blows. And you let circumstances and events and people drive your life. Is that, is that how you're living? You're just kind of like, I think we'll go this way today. La-di-da-di-da. Are you living your life on purpose? Are you going to get up in the morning with a purpose? Since we're talking about purpose, what is your purpose? Why are you on this planet? Why did God make you? 
Why did he put you in Eunice, Louisiana? Hey, it could be worse. God, that's messed up. Somebody said Mamu. You better watch. God going to send you there. You're going to be a, you're going to be a Mamu missionary. <laughs> but why are you on this planet? What are you here for? What are you here to accomplish? What are you supposed to be doing? At the end of your life, what can you say that I've done? Did you do the master's work or not? Because that's what you're here for. We are all here to do the master's work. To do the work that Christ has for us to do. And he has a a specific purpose for every one of us. And you need to know that if you don't have a purpose, if you can't tell me what your purpose is, then you need to get busy about getting one. Well, how do I get one? You sit down and you pray. And you listen. I found my purpose serving in in children's church. In children's church, I realized I was passionate about men. I realized that I wanted to preach the gospel and pastor a church. In children's church. I didn't know what my purpose was. I was just mad at the children's church pastor we had. So I complained about him and I ended up with his job. Just be careful who you complain about. But in that, I realized my purpose. And now I know why I'm on this planet. The same is true for you. You have the same right to know your purpose. Do you, do you really believe God would create you, put you on this planet, and not tell you what you're supposed to be doing? That's not the God we serve. You got the devil telling you you, you ain't no good. You, you're the barnacle on, on the bottom of a shrimp boat in Delcom. I mean, you got the devil telling you that. And you got other people telling you. Maybe your parents are telling you you ain't no good. Maybe you heard that your whole life. And you know what? Today you need to stand up and say, I am good. I am worth something. You know why I'm worth something? Because Christ died on the cross for me. For me. He set me free. He wants me to do his work. Are you with me? Sometimes you need to look at yourself in the mirror and tell yourself that. I've done it. Sometimes I'll be just, I'll just be honest. I talk to myself in the mirror. I don't answer. That's where you draw the line. Because when you answer, you're crazy. Of course, I don't also ask questions neither. So, but are you living purposefully? First Corinthians nine says this: Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. <laughs> I'm thinking, okay, if you're going to train for a race. You gonna train for second? You gonna train for third? You training for what? Why are you going through the pain? For first, you want the prize, you want the little ribbon. I used to run track when I was a kid. You get a little ribbon, right? Like, I want a ribbon, I want a ribbon. And they gave everybody a ribbon. I was like, oh yeah. You know, the one time I won, I was like, why did everybody else get a ribbon? Anyway. But why would you train for second or third? You train for first, right? Why would you live your 80, 90 years on this planet just because? Why not live it with a purpose? Knowing that you're going to receive a prize. Come on. You're going to receive a prize. The Bible says that not only your prize, your prize is not only entering into heaven, 
But your prize is that he's going to bless you when you get there. Because he's going to judge you for what you did on this planet. And you're going to get rewards for what you did on this planet. You don't get salvation because of what you did. You get rewards because of what you did. Does that make sense? He blesses you. Listen, I'm working on a mansion. I don't know about you, but I'm working on a mansion. Well, how are you doing that, Pastor? I'm sneaking a blessing on everybody I can. You don't know how many cars we don't wash when people were sleeping. Right? Yeah, that's my kid. That's my workforce. We'll wash a car now. I'll go drop some money off in somebody's mailbox. Or do something incredible for somebody. You know why? Because I'm building my mansion. I love them and I want them to see Jesus in me. But I got an ulterior motive. I'll just be honest with you. I'm working on something. I don't know if that makes sense, but. I just might. You can come stay. They do it to get a crown that will not last. But we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like a man aimlessly. You ever see your kids when they get out of school? How they run aimlessly. Why? They're just trying to get some energy out. Like that doesn't make sense, but whatever makes you feel better. Go ahead. Therefore, I run like a, I do not run like a man aimlessly. Aimlessly. I do not fight like a man beating the air. You're not shadow boxing, right? No, I beat my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. Wow. I don't want to disqualify myself. I don't want you to disqualify yourself. Amen. Live purposefully. Knowing that God has a plan for you every day. An everyday plan for you. He's got people he wants to run you into. You getting a little fender bender. Don't, don't think it's a bad thing. I've seen those things turn out to be miracles. We ran into a guy one time before you knew we pulled over in the funeral parking lot of all things. And this guy's claiming he's got a neck injury and all this. And my pastor, I'm with my pastor. I'm going, how's he going to work this one out? And about five minutes later, he's on the passenger seat praying for the boy to be healed. Not from the accident, but from everything before the accident. And I think he led the boy to the Lord just because of a fender bender. I go, Lord, send some more fender benders. I'll give me one of them cattle guards in the front of my truck. You know, just boom. Let's go around bumping people. Just have a fender bender ministry. Hey, sorry about that. Can I pray for you? (laughs) I don't know. Number four and final one. Am I honoring fully? You need to ask yourself the question. Am I honoring fully with my body? With my emotions? With my attitude? In my marriage, in my relationship with my kids, am I raising my kids in a way that's honoring the Lord? When they leave my house, are they going to be a blessing or a curse? Are you with me? Are they going to benefit this planet or are they going to just fit in? Does that make sense? Are you honoring fully? The Bible says that. In 1 Corinthians, it says, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? Who is in you? The Holy Spirit is in you. Whom you have received from God. You are not your own. You were bought with a price. 
Therefore, honor God with your body. You know, when Christ died on the cross and they put him in the grave, you hear preachers say it all kind of different ways, but basically what happened is Jesus went to the gates of hell, kicked them wide open, went in and told Satan, said, how much it costs? How much does Jamie cost? You know, he bought me with a price. His price was the most valuable thing ever. He bought me with a price. Am I going to waste that? Or am I going to honor that? And listen to me today. It's not about how old you are. I don't care if you're 80 here today. You can still honor God with the rest of your life. If you're 14 or 12, you can still honor God with your life. It doesn't matter your age. It doesn't matter your stage. It doesn't even matter what you've done in the past. Because he's faithful to forgive those that ask for forgiveness. Right? Because listen, Jesus wants to keep you going where you need to be going. Down the road of abundant life. Down the road of being used by the master. And listen to me, when the master uses you, there's no greater feeling on this planet. I've done drugs before. Drugs leave you with a hangover. When you get busy about doing the master's work and you have those fender benders and you have those moments, there's no greater thing. There's no drug that can suffice. There's no, no idol you can make to make you feel as good as it, as it does when you honor the master and you do his work. Amen? He's giving you new fitness today. Starts on the inside. What do you do? You chase after God like you've never chased him before. You go deeper than you've ever gone before. You pray more than you've prayed before. Right? You go after him. You take a Sabbath and you take a break and you rest and you reflect. You need to think about your mistakes sometimes. You need to think about why did you make that decision that you made. Amen? Can you stand up with me this morning? Maybe you say, I want that. I want that new fitness. I want that new. Just show me your hands. It really made me feel good. Okay, good. I'm feeling better already. All right. I want to be fit, Lord. I want to be fit for your hands. I want to be fit to be used by you. I'm just going to promise you this. The closer you get to God, the more incredible things are going to happen in your life. You, 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 if you're not having divine appointments right now, it may be because you're not close enough. And in reality, you're not fit. Can God trust you with a miracle? Come on. Can he trust you to, to, to breathe life on somebody? That's the question you need to ask yourself. Lord, I want to be trustworthy. I want to be used by you. I don't want to be my own man. I want to be a man of God. Right? Open your hands this morning. Father, I thank you for today. Lord, I thank you for all that you've given us. I thank you, Father, that you set us free. And whom you set free is free indeed. We don't have to go back to those chains ever again. And Lord, we don't have to live according to that old sinful man, that old fleshly man. Father, the spirit man rules and reigns and can rule and reign in our lives, Lord. Help us to feed the spirit man inside.
Help us to feed him. Help us to get closer to you, Lord. Would you grace us, Father? And as we take steps towards you, I know, Lord, because your word says you're going to start taking steps towards us. And you're going to come closer, Lord. Your word says to draw near to me and I will draw near to you. Lord, help us to to love your presence. Help us to know that, that you've got a purpose for us. Help us to surrender ourselves and to to lay our lives down for you, Lord, to, to be a spiritual act of worship. Lord, help us today. We need you, Lord. Help us to control our minds. We give you our minds. We give you our eyes. Lord, I give you my mouth. I want to breathe life and not death, Lord. I give you my feet. I want to walk your way and not my way. I give it to you, Lord. In the mighty name of Jesus. Can you say amen?